The thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyal Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Spirit of God, we thank you that we have access to wisdom and revelation. Thank you that tonight you are here to bless us. Thank you that your word is a blessing to us. As we hear your word, our levels are changing. We are changing from glory to glory, even as by your spirit. We honor you for your presence. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Humbly take your seat in God's presence. And jam your hands together for the Lord. Are you glad to be in the presence of God? You're all warmly welcome into God's presence. Those of you who are joining us online, it's a joy to come your way and to share fellowship with you through this medium. We have no doubt that this service will be a great blessing to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, come with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. For the past weeks, we've been exploring our identity in Christ. We've been focusing on discovering your identity in Christ. One of the greatest crises a person can have is identity crisis. If you don't know who you are, there is no way you can fulfill your destiny. You will know what is available for you and you will not be able to fulfill your destiny. I started by saying that these are fundamentals of the faith. The Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, the righteous can do nothing. And if you cannot write myself, you are not likely to be able to write any meaningful essay. The foremost essay you are taught to write when you go to school is my, is my, and in your walk of faith, your identity is also like yourself because that is where your journey with God begins. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, somebody say, if anyone be in Christ, if anyone be in Christ, somebody say, if anyone be in Christ, say, I am in Christ. I'm a new creation. Say, I am in Christ. I'm a new creation. Everything changes when your position changes. There are two places every human being is likely to find himself. You are either in Adam or you are in Christ. When you are in Christ, your destiny is different. Your identity is different. Everything about you is different. Your relationship with God is different. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ... He's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, who are we? We said that number one, in Christ, we are a new creation. Somebody say, I'm a new creation. So, in Christ, you are many things. But one of the most important things you need to know is that in Christ, you are a new creation. Once you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Number two, we said that if anyone be in Christ, he's a beloved child. Somebody say, I'm a beloved child. When we talk about a beloved child, we are talking about a child of great delight. When God looks at you, he's happy with you. When God looks at you, he's most excited about you. I'm not talking to somebody at all. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 to 5. The New Living Translation says, Even before he made the word, God loved us. Somebody say, God loves me. 
Say, God loves me. Yeah, a lot of us believe that when we do right, God loves us. When we do wrong, God hates us. But you must understand that God loves you regardless of what you do. If you are going to do right, it has to be rooted on the motivation that God loves you. This is critical. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 verse 17, To all whom are in Rome, beloved of God. Somebody say, I'm a beloved of God. So in Christ, you are a new creation. In Christ, I'm a beloved. In Christ, I'm adopted. Somebody say, I'm adopted. And a couple of weeks back, we told you that adoption was valuable even than natural birth. At the time of Paul's writing, adoption was highly valued. Because at that time, a father could disown his legitimate biological child, but had no legal locus to be able to disown an adopted child. Once a child was adopted, there was no way you could legally disown the child. Praise God. That's why God chose us to use the language of adoption. So we are of great value to God. Our relationship with God is not a relationship you can walk away from. No matter how hard you try walking away from, he will keep on chasing after you. Are you not excited that God will keep on chasing after you? Okay, so that's number three. And then, of course, last week we began looking at I'm accepted. Somebody say, I'm accepted. Okay, come with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 to 6. Blessed be God. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us to adoption as what? Sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his own will. Verse 6, let's read it together. To the praise of the glory of his grace. By which he had made us. When were you accepted? You have been accepted already. When are you going to be accepted? Tomorrow? When? You are already accepted. Somebody say, I'm already accepted. Romans chapter 15 verse 6. You need to understand that everything you are doing should be a response. We operate from a point of approval. Not to gain approval. Yeah, we operate from a point of approval, not to gain approval. We are already approved to do right. Look at what the Bible says, Romans 15, 7. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. In other words, God will be glorified. Accept each other. We said last week that acceptance is something everybody craves for. Everybody. Children crave for the acceptance and the approval of their parents couples crave for the acceptance of one another you crave for the acceptance of your boss everywhere you find yourself all of us humanly speaking crave for acceptance and from a human perspective acceptance is not something that is easily gifted to us but god and his mercies are giving us uncommon acceptance somebody have uncommon acceptance last week we established that to be accepted means to be approved as enough somebody say i'm good enough yeah when we say you are accepted it means you are suitable for the job you are good enough to be accepted in the english means to be given a stamp of approval but the greek means that you are granted a favored status somebody say, have been granted a favored status when you are accepted the word accepted in the greek means granted a favored status somebody say i'm god's favorite God has granted you a favored status. Another rendition also means that to be honored with blessings. Somebody say, I'm honored with blessings. 
Okay, so when God accepts you, he honors you with blessing. Now see his blessings following your life. No wonder the psalmist wrote and said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When God accepts you, he honors you with his blessings. Last week we talked on four key thoughts about God's acceptance. Number one, we said God's acceptance is one of the greater blessings we have in Christ. God's acceptance. Somebody say God's acceptance. He says he has made us accepted in the beloved. We have acceptance in Christ. A lot of people would want us to play right. They want us to do right before they affirm us, before they deem us credible. But God accepts us. And in his acceptance, we gain the confidence and the courage to do right. So that is what we said. We said it's one of the greatest blessings. You see, your faith in Christ will never work effectively until you learn to acknowledge every good thing you have in Christ. In the book of Philemon 1.6, look at what the Bible says. Philemon 1.6. That the communication, somebody said the communication. Philemon 1.6, King James says, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ. Somebody say, good things are in me. You know, there are a lot of people who go through life and they don't think that they are worthy much. They don't think that anything good can come out of them. They always condemn themselves, they look at themselves and they undermine themselves and every bad thing, they see themselves in it. He said that the communication of your faith, that the sharing, the word communication has to do with sharing, the participation, the fellowship of your faith, that the communication of your faith may become effective. How? By acknowledging every good thing in you, in Christ. So it's important. God's acceptance is one of the great blessings we have in Christ. Number two, God's acceptance is something that none of us can earn. Somebody say, I can't earn it. God's standards are too high for anybody to merit it. He says if he is to mark iniquity, none of us can stand. So in order for him to relate with us, he set the stage in such a way that we can come to him without any shadow. In fact, the best of us, he says, our righteousness, when we have tried our very best, somebody said, I fasted twice a week, I gave tithes of all. When he finished everything, God says, that is like a future run before me. The only person who could end God's righteousness, he had to be without sin nature. Somebody say sin nature. Jesus was the only person who could earn God's righteousness. He fulfilled the law completely and then he obeyed God completely. And when he finished obeying God that far, he credited it to our accounts. Praise God. Yeah. So that when God looks at you now, he looks at you as someone who has obeyed him completely. He looks at you as somebody who has fulfilled all the law because it has been done so for you in Christ. When you are in Christ, whatever Christ has done is credited to your account. So if Christ is deemed righteous before God, you are deemed righteous before God. So number two, we said that God's acceptance is not something any of us can end. God's acceptance is not based on what we do, but what Christ has done. Somebody say what Christ has done. Genesis 4, 6, it says, Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? Verse 7. Then he says, You will be accepted if you do what is right. And for a lot of Christians, that is our mindset. We feel that we are accepted before God when we do what is right. When we pray one hour daily, when we are able to fast consistently. When you are fasting and you feel hungry, you must not break it. If you break it, God will be angry with you. And because of that, our prayer lives are not effective. We are not able to enjoy. It's, it's like we are on a, a trading terms with God. 
So he checks our record, and when our record is perfect, then he gives us what we deserve. But listen, if God were really to give us what we deserve, I don't think any of us will be here. So the punishment we deserve, he punished Christ for our sake. I'll come to talk about it in the course of the teaching, maybe uh, in the coming year. So God's acceptance is not based on what we do, but what Christ has done already. And we'll come to see this as we go. God's acceptance is the most important acceptance anyone can have. Somebody say, it's the most important acceptance. Uh, you may be married to a man who finds it difficult to accept you. He doesn't like your body shape. He doesn't like, there are many things he doesn't like about you. But God accepts you just like the way you are. He does not compare you to anybody else. He's not expecting you to be like anyone else. He just looks at you and he says, you are fine. I'm okay with you. I like you the way you are. Some of us sometimes can even believe that God loves us. But one of the things we find a difficulty accepting is that God likes us. God does not just love you. He likes you. Because we understand that love is a decision. But liking is another dimension. Of course, we are looking at what's the basis of acceptance. How come you and I can come before God and be accepted? With all the things you know about yourself. All the limitations. All the hidden things you know about yourself. Nobody knows. There are things about you that nobody knows. And you will never want anybody to know. But God knows all of that. And in spite of all of that, he accepts you just the way you are. What is the basis? Why is God looking at us this way? The first reason is the rejection of Christ. Somebody say the rejection of Christ. Nobody has suffered extreme rejection like Jesus Christ. Nobody. If you've ever been rejected and you feel like doing something uh, awkward to yourself, think about Jesus. He suffered the worst of rejection. That was Jesus. Look at what the Bible says. Talking about him in the prophetic quote. Isaiah 51 verse 1 to 3. Who had believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He had no form of comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty in him that we should desire him. He is, verse 3, let's read it together one go. He is despised and rejected of men. Somebody say rejected of men. Jesus suffered extreme rejection. Yeah. Some of us, we feel that he got rejected when he was born. No, Jesus suffered rejection before he was born. You know why Joseph wanted to uh, dissolve the marriage? He wanted to dissolve the marriage, not because he didn't like Mary anymore, but he could not be identified with a woman who claims he's a virgin and then smuggles pregnancy and wants to come and marry him with it. No, he's not ready to do that. So right from the womb, Jesus knew what it meant to be rejected. When he was born, at birth, Herod never wanted him to be alive. He wanted to kill him by all means. So he was not wanted. One, Joseph did not want him. Herod didn't want him. And the Bible says when he came to fulfill his mandate, he came to his own. His own received him not. Rejection everywhere. The Bible said he was rejected of men. Now that is on the human side. On the divine side. You remember when he hung on the cross. He said, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabatani. My God, my God, why have you deserted me? Of all the rejection on the horizontal scale that he experienced, if that was anything small to go by, the great rejection he had to suffer was the one on the cross. And all of that was done so that you and I can find unconditional acceptance with God. The reason why God cannot throw you out is because he could not look at Christ when Christ carried your sin. Praise God. So you need to understand that by reason of that work, 
you and I have acceptance with God. And then, of course, number two is the finished work of Christ on the cross. When he hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. Finished. Now, you will not be able to appreciate the word is finished until you come to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 to 12. And there you see, he said, every priest stands ministering daily. Somebody says, stands ministry daily. Now, daily is not my emphasis, but offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. Somebody say the same sacrifices. Uh-huh. Offering. This was it. They offer the same sacrifices year after year. Year after year. Year after year. And the Bible says, the more they sacrifice, the more the sin remains. It says, which can never take away sins. Under the altars, they kept on offering sacrifices one after the other, but None of them was a perfect sacrifice. None of those sacrifices could take away permanently deal with the issue of sin. And because of that, people could not enjoy clear conscience before God and have that bold access to God. Jesus came. Now look at this verse 11. I like this. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You see the difference. Verse 12. But this man, somebody say this man. Say this man. Yeah. All the other priests, they did it. The more they did it, the more things remain as they were. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice, somebody say one sacrifice. One sacrifice for sins for, 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 for. The issue with your sin has been dealt with not for some time, forever. Somebody say forever. You need to understand that. It's been dealt with forever. Forever. He dealt with it. When he had offered one sacrifice. Now listen. You see. The reason why. You have this uncommon acceptance. And can flow with God. Is because the issue of sin has been dealt with forever. Now if sin had not been dealt with forever. It meant that every time you sin. Jesus will have to come and die on the cross. And then pacify God for your sin. That's why the Bible said he's dealt with it forever and then sat down at the right hand. Now, you don't sit down when your work is not complete. Jesus sat down and dealt with the matter for once. What they couldn't do forever, he came in and by his sacrifice. Now, listen, when you read the book of, I think, uh, Hebrews, he says, neither by the blood of bulls nor goats, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Praise God. So, your redemption was settled in Christ forever. The work he did, he didn't do it to come and repeat it. He did it forever. When you wear religious lenses, eh, you can see the scriptures like this, but you find it very difficult to accept it as it is. Praise God. The book of Hebrews is one book I love and I've been reading for years, but it was very difficult for me to see that this matter has been dealt with forever. Praise God. Because religious lenses will not allow you to see it. You want to do something to see that you are, you see, we naturally want to stress ourselves. So anything that is easy is very difficult for us to accept. But you see, your salvation looks easy for you, but it was never easy on Christ. That's why God cannot take it heavy on you now. He made him pay the worst of price. In fact, Jesus did not just pay the price for your redemption. He overpaid it. He overpaid it. He paid it and they exchange. So you can never be in it. Somebody say an amen. amen. So number one is his rejection. When he came, in order for us to be accepted, he had to be rejected. He was rejected. You see, everything Jesus became 
we have been made the opposite. They call it in theology the law of substitution. Everything Jesus became. The Bible says he made him to be sin. Who knew no sin? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Some of us have a difficulty accepting the fact that God looks at you as a righteous person. When God looks at you, regardless of whatever you have done, he sees you as a righteous person. Because that righteousness is not righteousness that you have acquired or earned. It's a righteousness that has been credited to your account. Now listen, if you knew that every time you are coming to God, he sees you as righteous as Jesus, I tell you, your prayer life will be different. The reason why you don't have boldness in prayer is because you think that when you are coming, there's a long list God has of you. And, and, and in fact, for a number of us, when we are coming to prayer, we spend sometimes the greater part confessing sins. The sins I, I have done, the sins I remember, and the sins I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. If you don't remember it, why do you think that God will be holding that against you? The sin I remember, the sin I don't remember. The sin of commission, the sin. I like the way you are looking at me. Yeah. You've not seen anything yet. Yeah, because I used to look like this before. The same way you are looking at me. I've looked at it like this before. When Jesus came, he came to do what you and I could never do for ourselves. He would not have died on the cross if what he did, you could do it. And for years, they could not do it. Those sacrifices which they repeated year after year, it could not take away sin. It could not obliterate the memory of sin. It could not. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I read to you, he said, because God found fault with the old covenant, he decided to establish a new one. And the new one is established on the premise that he will not hold your sin against you anymore. And if he's not going to hold your sin against you, he has to hold your sin against someone. Because you see, next year I'll be teaching you about knowing God. There's a series I'm preparing on knowing God. Because you see, if you don't know God, you can't relate with him well. The reason why we have a difficulty relating with God well is because we don't know God well. And some of it has been our fault, including this, your pastor. Sometimes, some of the teachings we have presented makes people feel like we do good to get God's good. But you see, God is not only good to you because you are his child. The Bible said he makes his rain to shine on the good and on the evil. How many of you have read that before? How many of you have not done bad things and after you have finished your bad thing, God still favored you and did some good things for you? That should tell you the nature of God. But you see, in spite of all of that that happens, you see, even in the natural, when you do something very terrible to a person and you are expecting him to punish you and he comes to you and he does good to you, you feel heavily indebted to the person. How many of you have seen what I'm talking about? Now, you see, that's how God wants us to relate with him. Next time, if you think of doing something bad, you wouldn't want to even think of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, when somebody, you have treated him so badly and you expected him that he will pay you a hundred times what you have done and he decides, I'm not going to do it. The moment he forgives you like that, the next time, no matter what happens, you would want to keep that. Now, that is how God wants us to relate with him. The Bible said, the goodness of God, the goodness of God leads to repentance. Somebody say, the goodness of God. <laughs> the goodness of God that's the book of Romans the goodness of God we'll be having extensive works next year praise God we'll pick the books and we'll go through them one after the other because you see until you know the new and understand the new relationship God has with you you will never be able to rise and fulfill your destiny a lot of Christians 
who are perpetually in bondage and we don't have boldness. One of the things that sin does is that sin makes you lose your boldness. Sin puts fear in you. The Bible said the righteous is what? As bold as a lion. The righteous is as bold as a lion. What does the Bible say in the book of Hebrews? It said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. When you view God as sitting on a throne of judgment, even when you need help, you won't go because you know he will kill you. But when you see him as sitting on the throne of grace, no matter what happens, you will still go there because you know, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord. The Lord which made the heavens and the earth. Am I communicating somebody at all? Some of you, you won't get it now because you see, just as it took you a long time, a lot of work has been done on you consciously over time. And I know a lot of work needs to be done over, over time for you to come to where we are talking about. Somebody say, I have unconditional acceptance with God. Say it aloud, I have unconditional acceptance with God. Now, let's just see the power of God's acceptance. How powerful is God's acceptance? Number one, God's unconditional acceptance secures his relationship with you. Now, all of us, let's be very honest with ourselves. If your relationship with God depended on you, how many of you know that the relationship would have long been gone? How many of you? Lift up your hands. If the relationship, if the relationship depended on you, we will be gone long time ago. Praise God. So our relationship, God's unconditional acceptance secures his relationship with us. The reason why God was getting angry with the era of Moses was because it depended on them. If thou shalt diligently obey this, if thou shalt diligently, if thou shalt. And when they fought it, the consequences followed. But God looked at it and realized that no, a man is incapable. Man cannot do what he requires of him. The Bible said, by the works of the Lord, no man shall be justified. For it is evident that just shall live by faith. So he decided, well, whatever punishment there is, I'm going to make sure that I provide for the sacrifice. And once the sacrifice is that, I'm going to accept them on that basis. It secures our relationship with him. Number two. Look, John chapter 6. Look at what the Bible says. John chapter 6 verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means, what? I will by no means, what? I will by no means cast out. I will by no means cast out. I will by no means. I will by no means. <laughs> In the book of Matthew, he said, Lo, I am with you always. I am with you always. He said he had said that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Number two. God's unconditional acceptance frees us from the constant pressure to end God's acceptance by our performance. When you understand that God has accepted you unconditionally, it delivers you from this performance syndrome. Performance constantly, constantly. If I fast three times a week, I'm accepted. That's when you feel very spiritual. How many of you feel very spiritual when you fast? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's about to fast. It's great to fast. It's an important spiritual exercise. But God does not accept you because you have fasted. No, 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 no. Look at somebody thought that that was the basis for acceptance. And look at that. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 to 4. He says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told them this parable. Now listen, this is a very important statement. Take me back to 9. Because most of the time, 
when the thing depends on us, we become very, very proud. The reason why we look down on other people is because we feel that we are righteous people. No, be so. I'm telling you. You think that because you have fasted three days and this person, even six to twelve, couldn't do, you are better than the person. That's it. Most of the time. People who look down on others, most of the time, this is where it comes from. Self-righteousness actually makes people very proud. And you remember the Bible says, lest no man should boast. It is the gift of God. Next year, I'll be doing a series on gifted. That's the title of the whole series, gifted, gifted by God, gifted by God. And I'll be walking you through some specific, unique, amazing gifts God has made available to you. To some who are competent of their own righteousness and look down on everybody else. Jesus told them this parable. Look at verse 10. He said, two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Ah, that is you and I there. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. He prayed about himself. <laughs> prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even this task collector. Look at the audacity. Look at that man there. Look at him. <laughs> I'm not like him. You can see, Lord, you can see. He said, I'm not like the robbers who are not here. I'm not like uh, adulterers who are not here. And listen, if you don't remember any of those people, just look at this task collector standing in the corner there. <laughs> just look at him. <laughs> I'm better, hundred times better than him. The Pharisees stood up and prayed. Look at verse 12. I fast twice a... I fast what? Twice a... I give a tenth of all I... Oh. <laughs> look at verse 13. But the task collector stood at a distance. He will not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Praise God. Yeah. Have mercy on me. Now look at verse 14. I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Praise God. God's unconditional acceptance frees you from constant pressure to perform to prove yourself before God. The discipline to fast is good. But if you set a prayer time and you were not able to honor it, you don't have to live with condemnation. Am I communicating? Yeah. Because he's your father. You see, understand that God is your father. And you don't talk to your father using King James English. Doubt, buddy, I don't, I don't come. <laughs> you see, you see the, the revelation that God is your father, it's so important. It's so important. It's so important. It's so important. If you are able to stay one hour, all the better. If you are not able to stay one hour, you can still talk to your father. Anytime you are ready, he's ready. Yeah, but because you are working with a certain consciousness, you don't know that though you intended to do 30 minutes in the morning, while you are in traffic, your father is still listening to you. You can still talk to him. Why should you be going with condemnation and feeling nah, as if... Uh... Number three, God's unconditional acceptance empowers you to handle rejection from others better. The truth about life is that whether you like it or not, some people will not like you. How many of you are, I know some people who don't like you? Yeah. And stop wanting everybody to like you. Because the Bible says, Woe is you if all men shall sing your praises. So some people will by all means not like you. And it's normal. 
You are not perfect and you want people to like you. Jesus was super perfect and some people didn't like him. <laughs> he never sinned and yet people did not like him. You, you tell lie here a little, you do this here a little. <laughs> and you want everybody to accept you. It's not possible. Some people will not like you. But you see, no matter who is against you, that's why Apostle Paul spoke and said that if God be for us, who can be against us? There is only one person whose acceptance matters. And if he accepts you, forget about everybody else. Forget about everybody else. Now, don't leave here and go and say, Pastor says I should forget about everybody else. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that when you have done what you know to do and some people are not pleased with you, you don't owe them anything. If God be for us, who can be against us? Now listen, the reason why he's telling us this, he said, the greatest sacrifice for your life was not made by that cosmic who doesn't like you. It was not made by your wife. It was not made by your husband. He said, God gave you the greatest sacrifice. And so if God accepts you after making that great sacrifice for you, nobody's opinion matters anymore. He said, he who did not spare his own son. Did you see that? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up freely unto us. How shall he not also freely with him give us all things? That's what matters. It frees you. There are some of us, the moment somebody says no to you, your whole day is messed up. You can't simply stand rejection. Grow out of it. You are still operating like a child. God's acceptance is the most important acceptance and he does not demand anything for you to feel accepted, of course. Number four, God's unconditional acceptance serves as a basis for a relationship with others. Have you met a person who is hard to please? It's because he's living without the legal mindset. Yeah. Hard to please. Hard to please. That person does not know that God did not demand the same from him. I'm not communicating here. You remember the story of a gentleman who was forgiven a few stuff. Was heavily indebted and he was forgiven a few. And then he went and then met somebody who owed him something little. And then he demanded that he pays weight, interest and all of those things. You remember the judgment that was passed? It's the same thing. When you know that you don't really, really, really merit God's acceptance of you, but God has accepted you, you learn to extend the same grace to others. Praise God. Meet anybody who finds it difficult to forgive is because he feels that it was difficult for God to forgive him. The moment you receive, you see, the reason why the New Testament Christian must not debate tight and must not have a difficulty to give is because so much has been given him. So much. Somebody say so much. So much. I stopped paying 10% a long time ago. You see, the more you come to a place where you understand that so much has been given to you, there is nothing God demands from you that becomes too much to give. So much has been given you. So much, so much, so much. None of the Old Testament people, that's what the Bible says, the Old Testament prophets, they actually look, they wanted to see the day we are in because they know that this dispensation is a better dispensation. So much has been given to us. So much. So much. Their sins were covered. Your own has been obliterated. Yeah. Animals were sacrificed for them. He sacrificed his only begotten precious son. Praise God. After the sacrifices were made, there was still remembrance of sin. In your dispensation, he said, I'll remember your sins no more. So, with all of that, now, now, this is just a, a little bit of that. When you see the magnitude of what God has given to you, if I give you a million dollars, and I say, give me 10,000 Ghana CD, and you are struggling with it, <laughs> you have a problem. You have a problem. 
You have a problem. You see, when we understand what has been done for us in Christ, we don't relate to God based on the law again. We now learn to respond to him out of love. And that is the kind of Christian you are becoming. Shout a better amen. Number five, God's unconditional acceptance empowers you to serve God out of love and gratitude. Somebody say, serve out of love and gratitude. Let's read this scripture and then I close. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Alright? Now listen. If there was a place Jesus should not go, it should have been a Pharisee's house. How many of you agree with me? No, Jesus should not go there. Those guys, I mean, <laughs> these were the people who had problem with him every now and then. Every time Jesus spoke, the Pharisees were on his neck. So, if such a person invited you to come and eat, you know that this person really does not like you. And he says, come and eat. How many of us will go? Jesus went. So, now listen. This person did not qualify to have audience with Jesus. He didn't see that. Let's read it because this text is very, very powerful. Verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Somebody say a sinner. Who? When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, go to verse 38, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Verse 39. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, (laughs) saying, this man, if he were a prophet. <laughs> if he were a prophet, we we'll know who and what manner of woman this is. Who is touching him? For she is a sinner. Alright? <laughs> Look at verse 40. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. Now, you see, Jesus is now using his prophetic gift on him. He said, if he were a prophet... Jesus said, I want you to know I'm a prophet. And I'm going to deal with what is in your head now. Most of the time, when we wear this cloak of self-righteousness and we are ready to condemn others, it's because God has not opened our own page to us. The moment God begins to open the page, he said, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And by the time they could say that, all of them were gone. All of them were gone. (laughs) There was a certain creditor who have two debtors. One of 500 dinara and the other 50. Now, he said two. So, in my mind, Jesus is talking about the Pharisee and the woman. So, this one is a sinner. But you who sees yourself as righteous, Jesus said you are still a creditor. <laughs> you too. You do inside. Now, when they had nothing with which to repay, this is what I was telling you. Remember I told you earlier that the, what we needed to pay, the song is on, he paid the debt. He did not owe. I owe the debt. I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Now I can sing a brand new song. Amazing grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Praise God. Now that's what we are seeing there. That, that's what we see there. These guys were indebted. And they could not pay. This one felt his self-righteousness had made him think that he was better. But Jesus said, you, you are equally in debt. When they have nothing with you to pay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me 
Therefore, which of them will love him more? Somebody say, which one will love him more? 43. And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. 44. He says, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Verse 45. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came here. 46. Let's read it together. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed 47. Now look at this. Therefore I said to you, her sins, which are uh huh. Okay. Much. She loves what? Much. But to whom little is the same loves little. Praise God. That's what I'm saying. That God's unconditional acceptance empowers us to serve Him out of love and gratitude. See any Christian who is on fire and zealous. They are responding to some deliverance God has done for them. This woman had carried this uh, asset with her everywhere. Nobody ever accepted her. But when Jesus accepted her unconditionally, she said, no, I'm going to be with you forever. Praise God. To him much is given, much is required. When you come to understand, I told you that much has already been given to us. How many of you remember? That's what happens in the New Testament. All that needs to be done has been done for us. We need to know it and then subsequently respond to it. And I see you rise up to serve God with joy. You see, most of us, we serve God and we are serving God to get things. No. There is so much he has already given, which you are already indebted to. So, if he even demanded that you serve him for what he has done already, you will serve him for the rest of your life. Praise God. May the grace of God rest upon your life. And may this revelation bring freshness in your relationship with God. May you begin to enjoy your relationship with God like never before. May you come before his throne with boldness and courage. May Satan never take advantage of you. May you never be robbed because of sin consciousness. In the name of Jesus, may you embrace the righteousness that has been gifted to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, lift up your hands and begin to thank God and give him praise. Pastor Afakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books by Pastor Afakwa, please call 540 or email us at faithhousechapel.yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services. Our first service, 6.30 a.m to 8 a.m. Our second service 8.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. At our church auditorium on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. God richly bless you.